Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Trader Cobb Crypto Show. It is your host, Craig Cobb, with a man who has been, well, who's coming to us from London for one. He's lived in many different parts of the world and held many different positions down. I'm talking about Alex Fazel. Now, he is the head of communications at SwissBorg. We're going to talk about what SwissBorg is doing and their, uh, you know, where they're up to in their project's growth. He's also Kryptonite's TV founder and host. So Kryptonite's TV is another channel. You should check it out because there's some fantastic interviews on there. It's an absolute pleasure having you here, Alex. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me, Craig. It's, I love your show and look forward to interviewing you on our Kryptonite uh, channel as well. I look forward to that as well, mate. Listen, before we get too deep into what SwissBorg is and what you're doing and all this sort of stuff, where do you come from? Is in What's your background? Like, obviously, there's a, we get, we're, we're very fortunate, mate. We, we get to interview a lot of different people from different walks of life. And I always ask, you know, what were you doing before you came into this? Because there's such a diverse um, amount of people. What was your story? What were you doing prior to crypto? That's a great question. Actually, to be very honest, like I had neither a financial nor a tech background when I started this, but I was helping like startups in Japan. So basically help them craft their white papers, their decks and their deliveries so that they can raise funds uh, through venture capital. And mostly, as you know, from Silicon Valley, sometimes here in London. So I just tried to help these introverted, shy people be able to communicate their vision, get the funding they needed to succeed their project and, and absolutely fell in love with that job. Wow, makes sense. Now, you just brought up a topic that I want to touch on just quickly while you did bring it up. VCs, um, the traditional way of getting gouged on equity, but raising the capital that you need to, uh, to operate forward to hopefully profitability. Do you see that changing? Well, obviously, the, the boom through ICO has changed. That. There's also a lot of crowdsourcing that's being used at their crowd raising, um, which obviously ICO is a very similar offshoot of that anyway. Is, are we seeing traditional VC models start to phase out a little bit or, or maybe not phase out, but lose a little bit of control? What, what's your take on that, mate? Because it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, that's a really good question. I do see VCs a little more conservative, obviously, after the ICO craze, as some people like to call it. Although I do think ICOs are the most beautiful, the most inclusive way of crowdfunding in that sense, simply because, you know, us in our case, rather than having six, seven VCs, own the company to get more money to allocate that to 25,000 people in our case, over 149 countries. So Celsius is one of the most beautiful farms. Obviously, people do abuse it in some ways. But um, yeah, the VCs as of today, they seem a lot more conservative and they're more focused towards security tokens from what we've been seeing so far. We talked to quite a few and more less into utility tokens, which I find is a little bit of a pity because there are still some great projects that will deliver and, and end up uh, providing good capital gains. It makes sense as to why they'd go to the STM model though, because their clientele, their investors are gonna want some form of you know, security to sink their teeth into. And, and when we talk about STOs, I think a lot of people uh, assume that the STO would be similar to that of the ICO craze, as you call it. Um, and even the IEO craze has been the, the most recent um, sort of progression of ICOs. Now, when it comes to an STO, uh, volume and volatility, not, not volatility, sorry, but, but, but volumes, liquidity, it's been talked of quite a lot, uh, i.e., where is it? Where is it coming from? Now, I think a lot of different people need to understand that it's not just about having a huge amount of volume. It's about having some volume in something that would not have had volume anyway. For example, if you want to buy a, I know, a luxury apartment in uh, One Hyde Park in London, for example, right, where you are, 
that's going to set you back probably nowadays upwards of 150 million pounds to get that penthouse up there because I do recall it selling about 10 years ago for 100 million pounds. Um, now, if they were to STO that uh, amongst other different high-end blue, uh, sorry, blue chip or uh, blue ribbon, I should say, asset classes like that, it provides a pool of liquidity that didn't exist, i.e. you're not just talking to billionaires now who can just drop 150 million pounds on a property, but now you've brought in another degree of investor who might just want to have a chunk of that. And they don't mind if it's not going to take them six years to sell. It might take them six months to sell their stake, but that's a hell of a lot less time than just working with a single billionaire family out there. And I think that's where the STO market's probably going to start and where it's headed is, is, is giving giving access to uh, markets that didn't have any liquidity in the past. What, what are your thoughts on that take? Yeah, I agree 1 million percent simply because real estate obviously is, is a very enticing asset class. As you know, it's over $200 trillion, around the $250, $60 trillion. So it's huge. And like you said, you know, the, the fractional investing is so cool. Like I'm yeah. hearing about a hotel here in London where they will allow you to invest in just one room. So let's say there's one dream room, there's a suite that you want to invest in because you think people will occupy it. They'll rent it. They think the hotel has great service. You can do fractional invest, investments that way or just invest so that you can access it once in a while on top of that rather than buying homes. As you know, millennials are not really buying these days. There's more renting. So the market is becoming very difficult in terms of behavioral change. So I agree with 100%. I think real estate in terms of tokenization is super, super exciting. All right, we agree on something. That's a good start, Alex. <laughs> let's now let's now move away from uh, that VC and STO side of things, and and talk about what brought you into this marketplace. So, when did you get involved into blockchain digital assets, and uh, and, and what got you into the space? I know you say you're, you're working with Swissborg and all that community stuff, but but there, there was a point at which you didn't know about blockchain, Bitcoin, and all this, and, and and you went, oh. So when was that, and and you know what was it that brought you in if you didn't have that technology background? That's a really good question. And you know what? Like, uh, I'm going to be very, very honest with all the, the viewers out there. I did enter for speculative reasons. So it's just my brother. He fell in love with smart contracts and he was about to enter the Ethereum ICO. He tried to explain about what, how the, the entire economy or the entire market, stock market is all going to be tokenized. They're going to be tokenized. I thought he was talking about Chuck E. Cheese or Disney or something like that. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean? So I didn't really get it. But then eventually, you know, I saw the capital gains he was making uh, after entering the Ethereum ICO and it got me a bit motivated. So I'm going to be brutally honest. It was to, to make money initially, but I found out that I intrinsically uh, love the space and, and learned a lot since. Well, there's no harm in that, Alex. I'm the same, mate. It's just, it was a new asset class to me. I was introduced to it in 2013. Didn't start buying or being interested until sort of mid-2017 when there was actually uh, something for me to apply my trade, so to speak, you know, charts and uh, you know, the ability to trade. But I'm, I'm, I was in it for speculative reasons as well. I'm, I still am. Um, I do love the technology. I can see the future. But, but let's be honest. I mean, I'm a trader. I'm an investor. If I'm not there to speculate, then, you know, I should probably take the trader hat off and the investor hat off and just call myself a libertarian. <laughs> but you have a really good point there. I think there's one thing that you said that I really want to stress to people watching out there. Um, you know, investment back in the day, the, the definition for investing is making a return on your money, right? That that was like, you, you invest to make money. Oh, but now so it, I think it's kind of changing. You know, I feel like if you really want to not just make money, but have a good experience 
be emotionally stable and, and not, you know, get frustrated all the time. I think there are four things that I've identified since. You need to invest in what you understand. Yep. You need to invest in what you love. You need to invest in what helps society. And then on top of that, if you can invest in, uh, in, in something that um, you, yeah, so, so love, understand, society, uh, those three things already are, are key things, I think, and, and really not just making money, but uh, enjoying the process. And the fourth thing I'm going to add is invest in yourself because self yeah. is where we can learn the most. That's what I wanted to say. You got it for me. That was the fourth thing I was looking for. <laughs> Again, we agree. This is good. So far, so good. So you got into Swiss Borg. Uh, you did an ICO end of 2017. Am I correct in that? Yeah, we started in uh, November 2017 and ended in January 2018, just before the, the big crash. Yes. And, and what's the plan? Like, I mean, what, what does winning look like for, for the team there at Swiss Borg? What is your objective? What's your modus operandi? What's driving you to that point? And when will you be happy that you've achieved it? What does what that, what that uh, future picture look like of success for Swiss Borg and the team? For me, the most important thing for not just us, but any project that I see out there is to deliver on your promises, to deliver the original vision and mission and vision statements that each company had. And that is the most critical thing for me. And I'm really happy because our backend technology is already functioning and it's, it's working really, really well. And we're close to delivering the promise that we have in, in the very beginning. And although it's true, you know, like, People are talking about shit coins here, shit coin there. 90, it's possible 90% of all ICOs will end up going to zero in the first five years. It's highly mm -hmm. possible. It happens in, in VC, VC uh, investments as well. Um, so, but I do think that, you know, among the, that, the, those asset classes, that 10% will have a huge chance of being successful. So delivering on the promises is, is really what I, I think is the most important, Craig. Well, you bring up a very valid point there, Alex. Um, I hear people saying uh, like it's a bad thing or 95% of ICOs will fail. So what? Well, what, what, what? Why is that any different to a startup? If you consider the numbers that stacked against a new business, it's, it's about 95% will fail in the first year or two. Um, why would it be any different in, in the most you know, technologically advanced new asset class, new business world? that is blockchain and crypto asset. Why would it be any different? And I think that uh, a lot of the, um, I don't know, the, the whole rolling of the eyes, 95% will fail, so therefore they're shit coins. I think that's just due to a, down to a lack of education and, and the uh, relative youth uh, of participants in the space for the time being, as we see the maturity increase and rise and the age of participants increase and rise and the education increase and rise, I think we'll start to see less of that whole emphasis around how many will fail because when you go into business you don't no one's sitting around in the border and going well 95 percent of businesses will fail well, i hope it's not us no one's saying that they don't they don't talk about the statistics because they're not trying to be a statistic i think that's where you know people like us that have been around longer i'm, I'm 35 you're uh, you're approaching there as well um you know yeah, we, we, we understand we, we yeah. understand that, that these are things that are in our way and we need to be better than that so I don't know the, the whole talk about shit coins and that. Yeah, sure. It's like shit businesses. We just, some work, some don't, some fail, some succeed. And it comes down to the execution of that team in the ICO space. I think a lot of the um, uh, fumbles and falls have been around 
very poor treasury management. How do you guys go about that? Because obviously your token was worth X and it's, I'm sure as anything that it's dived like everything else in the market. How have you managed that to keep your runway long enough to get you to revenue? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Our token literally like followed Ethereum to, you know, we went all the way down to like minus, I think 96%. At one yep. point now it's covering, well, there was a bear market recently, but by the way, it's highly discounted. <laughs> but, uh, but that's a really good question. You know, we had friends, uh, I'm not going to name their company, but they raised a lot of money in terms of the ICO and they just thought Ethereum is going to go to $2,000, you know, really high hopes. And, you know, we were telling them like Swissport was built with finance professionals. So people from Algo Trading, Quants, private banks, hedge funds, you, you name it. They, like literally that's, that was our core skill, but also guys who are just like, you know what, I'm tired of this freaking exclusive system that we have. And I, I can see how with this technology, we can finally take exclusive technology and services and provide that to the everyday community members. So that was the dream. And, and that's what we're trying to deliver on. But we, we luckily enough, um, obviously we, we hedged, uh, we used derivatives, you know, uh, futures, as you know. Yep. So we were able to, to obviously beat the market and conserve our funds. We still got a hit, but compared to people who like went from, for example, we raised 50 million and went down to four or 5 million, that didn't happen to us. We still have, you know, more than two years of burn rate ahead of us. Um, and even though we've been running for, for two years. So yeah, things are, things are good. I think, like you said, and people like you who know how to trade, it's critical that these projects hire guys like you, Craig, who can, you know, hedge their funds and, and you can make sure that, you know, if there is a, a down trend that, you know, they're, they're hedged. And it, it's just about being smart. I mean, look, if you've got, if you know it's going to take you five years to get to revenue and you've got 10 times the multiple of that five years required in revenue, uh, sorry, in, you know, in tokens or whatever it may be, however you've raised in Ethereum, then wouldn't you just make sure you got the chance to survive? And I know it seems like such logical sense now, but it should have been like, it, that, that still makes logical sense to me. Then it, nothing changes. These are, these are simple principles of business. Um, not that I've got any beef against anyone who didn't do this properly. Um, but I don't know. That's why I guess 95% of projects do trip over and fall on their face. So it's about offering something different while we're on that. What is Swissborg offering as something different? You've got a stellar team, a star started cast of people from finance at all different walks of life with prior business experience um into swissburg what's the end game what, what what are you trying to fill in the market because you've got to have some form of gap or you've got to be better than someone else to have a successful outcome so what's your edge and, and what are you trying to bring to us so that is thank you so much for asking that question i have a question for you craig like how many exchange accounts yeah. and wallets do you roughly have as of today how many are you using to exchange accounts i wouldn't even know it'd be 10 plus um <laughs> to the point where I, I just try and use a few uh of them because it's just a cluster um but yeah there, there are a lot of different exchanges as in wallets yep same thing it's same it thing. is all over the shop same actually if i show you my my google 2fa like i have oh. over 10 as well so my fa thing. is it's got like <laughs> it's, it's horrible it's horrible all right so that's that's a really good answer and then my other question was last time you traveled craig which uh website did you use to purchase your your flight ticket i don't know because i didn't book them but probably um one of the web jets or one of these flight comparison type things i would guess 
So that's exactly what we're building with our new products. It's um, what we call the technical term. It's we're using a multi-node order execution management system, but it's simply taking a similar model that Skyscanner, Booking.com, Expedia.com, and all these aggregators have so that we can offer best price, best volume, and best routes for all the people who want to invest in crypto and not have multiple exchange accounts, multiple wallets, and all the craziness behind them. Wow. So a one-stop shop, we have margin opportunities in there as well, eventually? Unfortunately not. It's more of an investor platform. So I think the, the technical traders and or the professional traders will still be using BitMEX and, and Bybit and all the other uh, exchanges. So we don't really have technicalities, but we, we use financial intelligence for, for, exa for example, smart rebalancing, you know, if, when we're going to uh, introduce our indices. So you'll be able to invest, in, like we talked about earlier, you'll, you'll be able to invest in not something that you think, not only something that you think will bring back performance, but something with purpose, something that you love personally, something that may help society. So there might be the unbanked index, there might be many types of in indices that the smart contract index, et cetera, et cetera. So, but there are many things to come uh, and I'm really, really pumped about this. When's it coming? So uh, the Wealth app, the, our Bitcoin uh, community app is already out. So you can download it on, the, uh, on iOS and Android. So that's a not-for-profit where you can learn about Bitcoin and earn Bitcoin, plus earn our tokens just for having fun. You, you don't have to spend a dime. The Wealth app itself, um, the back end is ready, but we're still working on integrations for front end and stuff like that. So we're, we will make hopefully an announcement you know, within the next two months. All right. Well, that's very interesting. Now, I want to jump across to uh, something different right now. Thank you for letting us know about the app, Swissborg, and what brought you into the space. I appreciate that. You're going to be at this, um, well, you're in, you're in London now. I'm, I'm flying over in a couple of weeks um, for the CC Forum. Amazing event. Uh, some of the, like, God knows how they get all the same people in the same space. Um, I'm really looking forward to learning from a lot of different people there and interviewing some big dogs in the space. You have been interviewing some big dogs in the space for quite a long time. Um, and you do it through Kryptonites TV. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Kryptonites TV, why you started it and how you've had such bloody success so quickly? <laughs> it's all luck. It's all luck, my friend. <laughs> Rather be <But> lucky. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, um, we were creating Kryptonites is what we call the no BS blockchain built with the community for the community. So, we kicked off by asking like what the community wanted in terms of content, video content. We ran surveys uh, and then we built the, the surveys based on what the Swissport community wanted in terms of videos and, and, and the actual features of the show. Um, and then we, we thought about, you know, 4K, let's make it like a Netflix standard yeah. quality just because, you know, some of the traditional guys, you know, we can do the best we can with our own cameras and stuff like that but we wanted to build credibility also among people who are skeptical yeah. and it, believe it or not, it, it sounds really weird, but I think video quality kind of builds credibility to some mm. people, even though to be honest, I don't think it, it should, but subconsciously. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, we tried to do something that's, that's a little bit different and we're not afraid to talk about the limitations of blockchain and, and the BS that some of the BS that's behind it. So uh, we're trying to be honest and transparent and that kind of stuff. Well, that's fantastic. Look, I, I can I can totally resonate with that, mate. I mean, when when we travel, we we, we you know we hire somebody in that city, a couple of people with cameras, and we we try and get that production quality up as well. It's very difficult being. I mean, if it was London, I'd be able to sit down with guests all the time. I could 
you know, have all my set up here and it'd be wonderful. But uh, I live oh, in Sydney goodness. and no one comes to Sydney because it's a bloody <laughs> long way from anywhere. So <laughs> yeah, it's far, it's beautiful, but it's far. Yeah. Well, maybe you, one day when we've got the budget to fly everybody out here, we can, we, we can do that. But um, you, you've had some fantastic success, some amazing guests as well, mate. Um, as far as the guests that you have had, um, who's been the one that's stuck with you the most and for what reason? Like it doesn't need to be a positive thing. It can be a negative thing. It can be some sort of aha moment that it gave you. What's, what's a guest that really made you think, I suppose? So on the financial side, I would have to say Tom Lee. Mm-hmm. And then on the social impact side, I would have to say Andreas Antonopoulos. Those are definitely the two guys. I mean, Tom Lee is, is something that I think people have, some people have a negative perception because he tends to, you know, predict the price of Bitcoin and people, when it's not true, they come after you like with knives and guns and bazookas, right? Literally. <laughs> but the guy is such a wealth of information and he's actually a really humble, cool guy. So it's really, um, and I think he's the only one who provides data and I'm happy to send you the, the reports if you want to use them on the show or for other people to download, but he shows that one of the most important indicators in finance is catching generational gaps. Mm. So every time there's a difference in generational gaps from baby boomers to Gen X to millennials to Gen Z, like there are massive shifts in investment behavior. Um, And it's crazy how, how it sinks. So, you know, when people say that cryptocurrency has no future with the new generation gap, you know, as soon as millennials, will be at the peak of their wealth. Yeah. Like that's going to be interesting to see, you know, what changes we see in, in society. So that in, that generational gap thing from Tommy just blew me away when I saw the data. Well, I'm glad to hear that um, because it, it ties in. It's, my theories are my theories. If they're backed up by other people that have got much bigger brains than me and much more hair than me, um, then even better. And, and, and that's one of my things about, I, I'm trying to, with what I do, and this is why I got into crypto when I was introduced to it again in 17 was who's buying it. What sort of person wants this? And it's millennials that have for the most part taken it up and really, uh, express their interest by getting involved in it. Millennials are the biggest voting demographic in the world right now. Um, they are the sons and daughters of the baby boomer generation. They are more educated because the baby boomers were the first generation of proper wealth with no wars, well, no significant world wars. Um, there was Vietnam, there was little, little conflicts here and there, but nothing major. They were educated by wealthy, more wealthy parents. They had a better education system. And there was more of an openness to things like the internet. Things had, had cataclysmic shifts within their upbringing. So they're more akin to change, understanding responsibility. And they've also seen the GFC and the cause uh, and the pain and consequence of relying on other people for too much within a very archaic system in society, which is banking and finance. So for me, it's investing in millennials the new leaders of the world, the big voters of the world, and the ones that are putting their money where their mouth is. So very nice to hear that Tom Lee's on that same bandwagon as well. Or maybe I'm the same one as him. I'm not sure, but I'm happy with that. No, I think you hit the nail on the head because even I, I recently went to a Vanguard event here at Bloomberg here in London, and they were showing the ESG investments, right? Mm-hmm. And the growth is, for those who do not know ESGs out there, it's basically everything that's related to environmental, social, and governance. So as we talked about earlier, not just investing for performance, but meaning as well. And the ESGs, like the amount of, of um, ETFs and, and how yeah. much investment is going into there in the past few years is crazy. And 
you know, I'm still a Gen X, but people just a few years younger than me are already millennials. And I think those are the people driving the ESGs as well. So there, there's, there's clearly already some sort of transition in behavior, I feel at least. Well, look, I remember when I was in London back, oh, it would have been 10, 12 years ago now, speaking with people when I was trading back then, they said, oh, I won't trade certain things. And this was the same sort of thing. It was the beginning of that movement. They're like, well, I don't want to trade Nestle because of XYZ. I don't want to trade this because of XYZ. And it's like, okay, so you're basically ethically investing and ethically trading. I'm like, yeah, that's right. And for me at the time, I was like, man, that must be difficult because it's just so hard to find those sorts of companies that are willing to invest in them because it's always been the model had been leading up to the last sort of decade, I suppose, make money at all costs, uh, give return to investors. And, and many of those old dragons are still there breathing their fire. They are coming under fire at the moment. Uh, these are major banks, institutions like this that um, have a lot of power and influence. They're the ones that um, seem to be, they, they, I'm not, not sure if they know which way the ship needs to turn, but they know something needs to happen. And the captain of these ships is starting to get a little bit nervous because there's icebergs all around the place. And they've just banged in on a few. They've got, you know, a $70 billion fine here and a $40 billion fine there. And you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like the wolf is coming and they don't know which way to go. And that is, I think, also an opportunity for us in this space, as well as the fact with interest rates so low, um, interest rates being low is a bad thing. It, it, it's not a good thing. It, it, you, you reduce interest rates to uh, bring spending in to help prop up an economy. With interest rates so low, the next event that we see, uh, and we will see it, it will happen. Uh, there's, there's no ifs, buts, or maybes. It's already, in my view, lasted longer. This bull market's lasted longer than it has any right to do so uh, yeah. since we really haven't learned the lessons uh, of the last one. Um, it's going to be cataclysmic. I, I really can see some very, very painful times ahead for people that don't get educated and, uh, and look outside of the traditional investment box. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's, so true. it's so true, Craig. And you know what? My biggest worry personally is, you know, we, we want to see Bitcoin as our safe haven. We want to see it as a non-correlated asymmetric risk asset. Um, but to be really honest, we, we still do not know. Will it? Will it? Once that no. recession or financial crisis hits us, we don't have any data to prove that it will. People will trust it. As a, as a safe haven, as the digital gold, as we want it to be. But that's my biggest fear, to be honest with you. That's, uh, I just really hope that people will hold on and still believe in, in what it stands for and not forget you know, why we, we created this whole thing. So. Absolutely. Well, it will be what it will be. And those with nimble feet will work it out and do well regardless. And I hope that we are both uh, you know, ballerinas in the next couple of years because I'm sure there's some change coming. And we're going to need some nimble little toes. Now, one quick one before we wrap, mate, you are, as I said before, at the CC Forum. I hear, now can I confirm this with you or not? Tone Vase is speaking at this event as well. Now, Tone's going to get up and say how all altcoins are terrible and Bitcoin's the only solution. Is it true that I hear that you're going to then follow up directly after his keynote and give the opposite? I wish. I wish. I wish. Uh, We'll be moderating a panel, but... Uh, that's definitely something that I, I we were talked about it earlier, you know, even the the uh, dot com bubble, you know, everyone could say a lot of them, a lot of the, the companies went to zero, but some of the best companies, tech companies of all time. Have the top five companies by market cap globally. Exactly. The FANG, the FANG stocks, you know, the majority actually came from the, the bubble. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whoever thinks that uh, Bitcoin, all the Bitcoin maximalists, first, I want them to understand that. If you're a maximalist, it's very similar to being extremist in terms of religion. 
because that means that your philosophy only, it's Quite my wrong. way or the highway. And those are the extremist sides, whether it be politics, extreme right wing, or extremely religious, you know, extremist religious. So I think Bitcoin maximalism is, is absolutely toxic for this space because if Bitcoin is your bank, it is a bank account in your pocket, Bitcoin is not banking services and Bitcoin is not the entire financial industry because, you know, being able to have a medium exchange is cool on a peer to peer level, but there are many other problems we need to solve. Not, not even to mention data, like protecting your data, mm. being able to sell your data. Like blockchain solves so many problems that Satoshi Nakamoto probably couldn't even imagine at the time. So the, the Bitcoin maximalism for me is absolutely toxic and we need to stop that. There, there, will, there will be altcoins and utility tokens that will come out with real value and they will be very successful. So that's, I, I just hope all the viewers out there at least you know, try to consider that thought. Keeping an open mind is what we must do. It's keeping an open mind that got us all into this space and people need to remember that. A closed mind is a mind that can't learn any further and a mind that doesn't learn any further is a mind that dies and doesn't grow. And if that's what you want to be, hey, be my guest, but you're wasting a lot of your own energy. We haven't got much time on this earth. Fill your brain with good information and don't be so extreme that you cannot see the other side of the picture. So Alex, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. I look forward to meeting you in London. Being on the show, can you please tell us where we can find more information about what you're doing, Swissborg, the uh, Kryptonites TV and your socials? Yeah, so guys, please uh, have a look at season two of Kryptonites because we will have Craig, first of all, so I'm really looking forward to interviewing you. We're going to make that super cool. If you have the chance, uh, we have a Bitcoin community app where you can download uh, You can download it on Apple, Android, get access to our machine learning sets, community sentiment, daily Bitcoin analysis, forecast your Bitcoin, and earn Bitcoin for free with our own tokens. So and is that the Swiss Borg community app? Is that how you search for it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's exactly it. Um, and then on top of that, yeah, the, so please, if you're at CC Forum, Nouriel Rubini will be debating Roger Ver live. Yep. So that's going to be quite that's chaotic and fun. <laughs> so I hope to catch you guys there at, at the CC Forum. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, Alex. Thank you so much for your time, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Alex Faisal, Swiss Borg, as well as Kryptonite's TV show. I'll see you in London. Thank you so much, Craig. Take it easy, guys. Have a great day. I'll speak to you all again very soon. Bye for now.